Coming up in this episode of the Raisin Bread Podcast, we have a fantastic guest, Jeff Charles, at Jeff on the right on Twitter. He is a political commentator, writer, and satirist. We discuss the current state of the culture wars, American politics, conservatism, libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, all the isms. If it ends in ism, chances are we talked about it. And the importance of political involvement at the grassroots level. Among other things, of course. Enjoy. Welcome to the, the great, great uh, Jeff Charles. Uh, do you want to do his uh, intro real quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, so this is the great Jeff Charles. He suffers from internalized racism. He's an alleged satirist, which, as we know, means he's a professional producer of hate speech. Other things he does, he's the host of a Fresh Perspective podcast, Liberty Spaces, and is a contributor for redstate.com. He's also got a new Substack, which I'm really excited for. It's a satirical, uh, I think, piece or a satirical uh, uh, Substack, and it goes by The Smattering. So look out for that. Uh, so welcome, Jeff. Uh, and Jeff, just to give you an idea of how we do things, we do have a producer um and uh he does uh the god's work uh, if i'm being honest for us (laughs) yeah uh and just yeah so to give you an idea of of uh you know how we are we're pretty pretty relaxed but are not afraid to get into the weeds of things so don't be afraid of that but also he's english and i um lacked sort of attention growing up and so we are like Mm. like comedy we like making jokes (laughs) And we like, and we make very dry. We're very, so sometimes you'll hear something and it's like, is this guy being, it's like, no, we're just very dry. And if it sounds like we're just trying to be funny, then we are. So just be aware well, of that. So. so, I mean, I just, I, and I know we didn't really talk about the topics, but I was told that we were going to talk about the virtues of right? I mean, that's, yes, what, the, correct. That, that's what I prepared yes. for. Right. Also, no, the, absolutely. Those are the topics. Those are the topics du jour, you might say. Yes. Um, yeah. Sure. We're, you know, we're, we're all wearing outfits exclusively designed by Balenciaga for this episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because I figured, I mean, because I wanted to really make the case for why uh, Kanye West, or otherwise known as Ye, had it, had some pretty good points about, you know, <laughs> about, about Hitler's positive attributes. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. He was very punctual. Um, yes. He was always, he was always, always on time. Always on time. Um, never mm-hmm. missed a deadline, that man. And um, <laughs> he loved dogs. He was excellent. nice to dogs. Enjoy dogs. He, yeah, he, liked, he, dogs. he did like dogs. Spoke excellent German for an mm-hmm. Austrian. Yeah, correct. Yeah, artist in his own right. So some might, yeah. some might say, yeah, <laughs> uh, underrated artist, maybe. Under yeah, I mean, underrated artist. I mean, for oh, T. I mean, God. if you had a T five for like homicidal maniacs like he's got to be on there right so i would think you know. so it, yeah and also so. just like to say as an aside shout out to rumble for hosting this episode we really appreciate <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> we're on we're on youtube but every time we record a show ben's like it's just a matter of time it's just like look it, honestly jeff it's got to the point where i'm now going to look at it as a badge of honor the day that we have to move to rumble like if we if that doesn't happen, we haven't made it. Like we're not we're not producing the stuff that we want to produce until we get banned from somewhere. 
because that maybe that, yeah that, maybe i need to course. step my game up because on my youtube channel i haven't been banned yet i mean i have had a, an episode removed and actually it was one where i had my my partner in liberty donnie anthony on my show and she started well, talking Donnie. about the election and then youtube was like no we don't like that we're gonna take that episode down i was like thanks donnie appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> You fucked me for the last time, Don. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right, no, so Donnie's Donnie's great. Yeah. Just before Go we on. came on air, we we had already started to talk about. We were sort of warming up. We were just just starting to talk about how um, the most surprising thing that you learn as a white guy moving from the left to the right politically is that uh, black people can think for themselves. Um, comes as quite a shock, and uh, and the more you meet of them, that shock doesn't subside. It, uh, so like, I've got I've got two of you here now, so I'm alarmingly yeah. outnumbered. Some would say that's three too many. Yeah, so, 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 some... well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my my life was different when I used to be a black man until 2020 when I stopped being one when I voted for Trump. Um, but as a uh, yeah, thank you. As a former black man who I mean, I just I've, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of black people don't think the way the media say, say says we think. So when you see black people who have more conservative values, that's not a shock. Now, a lot of them still right. vote Democrat. But we were talking about Second Amendment. I mean, a lot of black people own guns, uh, legally yeah. and and illegally. But still, I mean, I'm I'm pro Second Amendment, so the 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 word illegal shouldn't come into play when you talk about gun ownership. But it does. Um, but I mean, especially over the past two years, the numbers have shown that black gun ownership, especially black women, has been skyrocketing. So the idea that That's black people are against gun rights. It's absurd. I mean, and that's why you know, one of the things I call out is the racism of gun control laws. I mean, I'm sure you guys are familiar yeah. with Ray, all gun control is racist. I agree, because a lot of these laws disproportionately make it hard for black they people were. to obtain a yeah. firearms. Absolutely. Yeah. And they were historically designed to be so, which I don't, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting how a lot of people are unaware of that history. I don't know if you're, I mean, I know you, you're probably very familiar with it. Yeah. So. Uh, and it's it, it's it's always interesting to me how that part gets left out, and I always wonder why. Well, I mean, we can get into this later, but it's it's part of this whole thing, and I've I've talked about Ben with this. It's like, man, if 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 you know, you I've seen you talk before. I'm not sure where your political leanings are now. I think they're probably it would be safe for me to su summarize it as complicated. It's complicated, maybe. Or yeah. but leaning, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. even yeah, more complicated right than it no. used to be nowadays. <laughs> that that is that is that is fair, and that is a a feeling I can uh, subscribe to. Uh, and it's it's interesting because I've talked to Ben about this. Like I've said, like man, if they could just, if the right could just yield on that one little thing, like you know, if they like, if they if you had one person to just be like, you know, the the history of gun owning law, like. You're striking two birds with one stone here, right. you know. Uh, and I've always thought, like, why don't they do that? But maybe that's something we can talk. You know, we can talk about it now, but we can talk this, about it later. This is something like so, Jeff. Um, again, the, we spoke about this off air as well. The advantage that I have, this being the first time we've met, is that I can be the sort of representative of the audience, and so I can do the exploring that the audience would do if you were in my position right now. So, like. 
were you always conservative leaning did you make any kind yes. of transition as you grew up like what where where did it begin were you were you always this outspoken where did it start so my journey my political journey began basically on september 12th 2001 uh, right after 911 wow. um i wasn't i mean i kind of maybe paid attention here and there to politics but after 9-11, after that happened, I started to pay a little bit more attention because that had everybody, that, that rocked our nation. And, you know, and it was to the point to where, you know, I felt that it was important for folks like myself to understand what's going on in the world, what's going on outside of the country, what's going on inside of the country. Um, I still wasn't as deep into it as I am now, but I started paying more attention. And back then I supported more on the Democrat side, um, mainly because that was just the thing to do. I mean, everybody hated Bush. And so I just figured that that's, you know, where I was. Although I never fell into the trap of thinking that Republicans were racist necessarily. Um, right. Because I, I soon discovered that you got racists on both sides. And um, <laughs> the racism on the left is one of the things that turned me off. And so, yeah. you know, fast forward to say to 2005, I mean, the only... Democrat vote that I did was voting for John Kerry and voting for Democrats on that ticket. And after that, as I started to evolve, um, as I started to get more deeper into politics, I also started listening to more talk radio, not necessarily Rush Limbaugh. Everybody has a Rush Limbaugh story. I don't have that. I, I didn't really get my conservative from him. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I was always conservative. And that's what I discovered. I was raised right. more conservative. Um, but I just didn't realize it. So I was listening to, you know, Dennis Prager. I was back in Southern California at the time. I was gotcha. born and raised there. Now I'm in Texas. But I was listening to Dennis Prager, Michael Medved, Hugh Hewitt, you know, all these conservative talk radio shows. And I found that, you know, I would disagree with them a lot. I'd be yelling at the radio. And I had a job where I drove a lot. And so, but mm -hmm. on other issues, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I agree with that. And then as time went on, I realized I don't have much in common with these Democrats. Mm -hmm. Um. It, and so I, I became more like mainstream conservative, even when I was a Democrat, you know, I was still pro-life. Like I was never far to the left. So if I would have stayed at the Democratic Party by now, I probably would have been a Republican because it shifted so far to the left. You know, I was still I supported the war in Afghanistan when I was younger. Iraq, sort of, kind of. I was a little antsy <laughs> on it. I was like, uh, I don't know if we should be doing this. But Saddam's yeah. a bad guy, but I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, and then time went on. I was more war hawkish back then than I am now. And then later, um, you know, when I realized I had more in line with Republicans, that's kind of how I voted. Um, I didn't vote for Obama. I voted for McCain. I voted for, oh God, for Romney. Um, and... <laughs> 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 and <laughs> that was visceral that was visceral in your time yeah like like even saying those words make made me throw up in my mouth a little bit honestly but, <laughs> but you know it, it around i'd say around uh 2016 i had started becoming like a freelance writer i would write for i would ghost write for like a blog post and stuff like that mm. um I would do content marketing, but I, but I was always a good writer. So I was basically doing it as a way to make more extra money on the side. Um, right. 
but then I was, but then I was thinking, you know, it would be really nice if I could make money just by writing some articles about politics because I'm already passionate about it. It's a lot of fun mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. cool. Never, I never dreamed that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. That that's not that wasn't even on my radar. And so um, I was on a, a site called Upwork looking for writing jobs, and I came across conservative website needs writers. And I was like, oh, okay, let me let me apply for this. I had written a few political articles here and there for free, but nothing major. And that's where I met the, uh, uh, Lisa and Tim Donner at Liberty Nation, where, who I still write for. Nice. Um, and they brought me on, and I started in uh, on January 20th, 2017, when Trump was inaugurated. Um, over that time period, and actually this started be beginning even before this, but I found that I wasn't really much in line with the Republican Party anymore. I was more going more libertarian. Uh, so I started identifying more as a conservatarian because I still had some conservative leanings. And what I did most aligned with the Republican Party as far as what I focused on. I wasn't focused on the liberty movement as much. I was keeping an eye on it. I was always watching, listening to the podcast, but I wasn't part of the party or anything like that. I just, you know, I I'd interact with them. I liked them because in my heart, <laughs> I was more probably, even though I wouldn't have admitted it back then, I was probably more of an anarchist than anything else. But I understood that this is the real reality that we have to deal with. And, you know, the Republican Party is the closest to what I want. But even back then, I was criticizing the Republican Party all the time because of just all of its failures, especially when it comes to reaching minority voters. That was a big thing for me. Like they wouldn't make the effort to reach black voters, but they would. But they had no problem talking shit about us from far away. So, um, And then they turn around and say, well, why don't more black people vote Republican? <laughs> well, maybe it's because you're a bunch of dumbasses and you know people call you racist and then you give them reasons to call you racist. So, yeah. And so. You know, that's that has been a battle for me since I started doing this. And then, you know, kind of recently, and it's funny because I was going back over some of my old tweets in 2019, I was saying, you know, I bet in a few years, I'm just going to go full anarcho-capitalist or anarchist. I mean, and then I had another one. I was like, you guys keep pissing me off. I'll go anarchist. And I was joking, of course. <laughs> And but now, I mean, after these past midterm elections, I finally gotten there. Like I, I was resisting it, wow. honestly, because I wanted to. I wanted to a long time ago, but I'm like, I just don't know if that's the way to really affect change. That I don't know if that's the best use of my talents. Maybe I can help the Republican Party kind of get it, get its head out of its ass. And after these midterm elections, I was like, no, y'all, yeah, you guys yeah. want to lose. You don't want to win. Okay, can right, I right, the right. show? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you'll you're you're. Yeah, I pay. I pay Tyler enough. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't. So I, I, I don't offend his virgin ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think. I think. I think Tyler's going to be okay. I. Uh, so I'm interested. I'm curious because you know you chart a, a remarkably similar path. I. I to mine. Uh, uh, maybe sans the anarcho. Like I'm curious. Well, first off, first question for those you know people who are aren't necessarily. Uh, familiar with the uh, you know political sort of graphs or uh, you know or, or where you know the, the Overton window or the, the lingo's like lingo like that. What exactly cons con uh, constitutes an anarcho capitalist? So, I mean, you know, I'm still kind of trying this suit on, so it's weird for me to even say this out loud. Being an anarchist, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't identify as an anarcho capitalist. I just keep it simple anarchy I, like I, I want right. anarchy that that's what I'm going for but an anarcho-capitalist or the type of anarchist that I would consider myself is one 
mm. who basically I, I, I would like the federal government gone uh, state mm. level if possible. If not, I, I might be able to tolerate that because I do believe that people should be able to easily move between the communities that they want to live in. Um, right. You know, I, I don't think that the government should be involved in education or really much of anything. I, I don't believe that the, gov the government's whatever government we have. The, the the sole responsibility is to protect our rights. It's not to, you know, try to make society a better place. It's not supposed to bring us into some utopia. It's not supposed to take care of us. That's actually taking care of people is up to us, we the people. Hmm. The government is supposed to make sure that our rights are not infringed on. I don't believe in laws that, I don't believe that a crime, anything should be labeled as a crime that doesn't affect other people like you're not violating other people's rights so if you're not stealing mm. somebody's property if you're not hurting them if you're not attacking them or their loved ones mm. then it probably shouldn't be a crime so for things like fraud yeah that should be a crime if you're defrauding people you're stealing but i don't believe that people should be thrown in cages uh for what they put in their bodies even though i disagree with getting strung out on right. drugs same thing with prostitution right. i personally disagree with that but I think society should use persuasion to address that issue rather than sending men with guns and badges to go kidnap them and throw them in cages. So to me, I want things stripped down as much as possible. I want as much to be private as possible. And, um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but that, that's kind of what, what I would like to, to, to see happen. And if we're not so, going to get to exactly where I want, then I would like to see the government rolled back as much as we can possibly get. Right. Right. So in short, you believe in the power of sort of culture and people. That That's the, the sense I get it. You know, just a sort of, you know, 10,000 feet view, uh, birds level view. Uh, that's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. And I think that I appreciate that explanation because I don't think that's what people hear. I don't think that, well, that's what the layman hear, th hears or thinks when they hear, you know, some a phrase like that. They just think, oh, you know, burning the street, like the usual stuff. When they yeah, hear no it. laws, lawlessness. They right, think of the purge. Right. That those movies are purged. Right. That's what they think of. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Because we're in such a period of semantics, but it's it's selective semantics. So, like you know, you, pe people people pick and choose when they're going. So, for example, you, they hear anarchist, and they will take that very literally. They all hear Jordan Peterson say enforced monogamy, and they will take that very literally. But mm -hmm. then they refuse to go through the looking glass when it comes to other things so like for example over christmas as baz was alluding to before we hit record i was i spent christmas uh intentionally with some in some cases and unintentionally in others with quite a few self-proclaimed socialists and um which is which is fine and then <laughs> we <laughs> we I'm then like, but one of them, it was great. We had a really good conversation and I was chatting to her and we were on, we were on our Boxing Day walk, which is something of a tradition in the UK. Um, mm. And we go nice country walk to a nice country pub and we're sat there and we're chatting. And she's talking about how she learned economics in the uh, late 80s from a Soviet Hungarian guy who was explaining that, uh, or sorry, Hungarian, but when Hungary was still within mm -hmm. the Soviet Union. And she was explaining how he taught her that market competition is no good because market competition leads to monopolies, which are bad. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Monopolies are bad. And she's like, right, so that doesn't work. And then I'm then asking this woman who's probably 
40 years my senior. I'm then saying, but isn't the alternative to that is state owned, which is a monopoly from day one. Um, but we just don't call it a monopoly. We call it state owned. Mm-hmm. And then she hits me with, oh, I've never thought of it like that. And that's what I mean about like, she's not doing that vindictively, but she, sure. there are lots of people who do. But that's an example of she's never gone through the looking glass to go, oh, well, what do they mean when they stay, say state owned? What, what do they mean by that? Mm-hmm. Whereas, and then like you with Anarchist, the reason why it's, it's advantageous for the sake of our audience to I'd clarify what you mean by that is because, well, I was going to say it prevents. It doesn't prevent at all. It's a preventative measure yeah. to dickheads in the common sen- comment section saying that you want to see the country burn to the ground. No, yeah. no, just the government <laughs> part of it, not the entire country. No, right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, they, they'd say that and this is this is the point, right? Is it's like so because I don't know about like you say, you know, you're a Democrat, but you had these sort of political leanings that were more conservative, and it's like and I don't even know. Listening to you just then, it's not even clear to me. And maybe this is because I'm not as entrenched in the political vernacular, but it doesn't even feel like you had conservative political leanings you just had principles you had something in your upbringing mm. something in your life beforehand that that lent more that way like and i'm the reason why i'm saying this because i identify with it because like, i look at somebody like my dad now my dad has always he's been a life or my life certainly maybe he voted left in the past but certainly my whole life he's always voted conservative mm. in in this country and um but he he never pushed that on me as a kid but he did push on me these these principles like it's mm-hmm. on you it's you you're the one who has state responsibility if you want the result you've got to put in the work the the usual shit the usual sound bites right and it's it's like i because i i was the same like i'm sitting there i'm at university and i think i'm left wing and i think i'm what i would now call woke left i i i think that i like those mm. values and i like mm. those principles until i realize that they have no values and they have no principles because these aren't these are just platitudes they're not they're not actually based on anything and if you you don't even need to be politically engaged if you care about logic then you can't follow through with the modern left's talking points which is something that i struggle with so much so it's like you know when i'm sitting there and we're talking about um we want they they want to champion the rights of gay people and they want gay people to live as freely as possible but they also want to uh, quell Islamophobia and have Islam be as free as possible and live as freely as possible. It's like, right, okay, well, those two don't get on. Uh-huh. So, so what are you going to do about that? But that conversation you're not allowed to have. And th- this, this, is, this is what I mean. Is like you, you, the logical conclusion is never reached basically what you're saying it's like a, it's like an argument there's so there so you don't know this about about trading ben but like in trading there's different styles right um and there's different types of traders right so for example there are those who trade best based on the technicals there are algorithmic traders people who set up um you know nerds like me who will set up uh different algorithms uh, and different uh, sort of uh, programs to trade for them. And then there are people who trade uh, based on something called fundamentals. And it's almost as if the politics here 
that you guys are talking about um, in, in case of the, in the case of the Jeff's sort of political journey comes out of fundamentals. Sorry, we're just talking. You don't. Mm. This, no, no. This, this yeah, is we're just waiting time. for you. Yeah. So you know, uh, you know, if you are a fundamentals trader, right? Your uh, your trades aren't necessarily based on technicals. They're not necessarily based on uh, the the news of the day always, right? They're not right. necessarily based on uh, what the algorithm uh, algorithm traders are doing. You're you are taking it back to square one and it, figuring this out. Is a Shaquille okay. O'Neal trading advice. He said it uh, once, where he was like, "If oh, my advice for anyone who wants to invest." If you believe that the company is doing good things for the world and is right. going into well for the better, yeah, put your money in there, like right. for the long for the long term, yeah. And and this right. is the point: is it's based on that's Principle, first very principles. Good, but it's a very yeah. good analogy, yeah. But it, but it, this is what I mean: is like it's based on principle, and it, and this is because this is the thing. Like I I wanted to believe these things so badly because it Me was too, buddy. Me it too. was right. Because it was right. <laughs> you know, in quotation marks, it was right to believe them. It was right to believe yeah. these things that, you know, the whole kind of, and I still am in a lot of ways, like the whole live and let live. This is why I call myself reluctantly political. Cause it's like the whole, my whole bit is like, no, no, I didn't fucking change. You did. Yeah. I, I was just sat here living my life. And then suddenly, suddenly I get told that, oh, you're the fact that you're still male and you were when you were born is now some kind of extreme extremity of position because you've never even considered it and you don't think you think that bisexual and pansexual are actually the same thing and so that's right. now an extreme position and it's all it's all those kind of things like i remember i was a, i was a youth worker when i in my time at university and then when i graduated for a little bit and i got in real shit with a manager because this is when this stuff was starting to pick up and so this was what, like 2016, 2017. And I had a girl ask me, what does cisgender mean? And I replied, we used to call it being born. <laughs> and I said, it's, it's a made up term to corral you and give you a label because one group of people have given themselves a label they chose that label. It used to be transsexual, then it became transgender. And now you call yourself, now they need you to have a label as well so that, that everything's fair and even from their point of view. And I, yeah, I, I got, I got told off for that because it was like, it, it was, you're, you're expressing a political opinion. It's like, no, no, I'm actually given the the macro view i'm not given a political opinion i'm 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 stating facts as to what has happened and the historical derivation like for example cisgender was first used in 1994 that was when that word was first coined and it's like so and I, I remember telling her that this is a word that came about in in the mid 90s and and she found that crazy the idea that there was a word as a 16 year old girl that there was a word that was as old as her group leader like that was wild turn i was like yeah they make these words up all the time and then i get told that i'm pushing a political ideology or a political position on the kids and it's like no i'm trying to strip away kind of like what you're talking about stripping back federal government it's like no i'm trying to strip away the political uh fog so that she can make her own mind up 
about whether she's going to subscribe to using these these new words, these neologisms that are being foisted upon her. She's sitting there going, I'm st- I just thought that I was born a girl and I still am. But now apparently I'm occupying this position that's being called cisgender in in opposition, let's you know, let's call a spade a spade, in opposition to this other group called transgender. And it, I can't mm-hmm. imagine what it must have been like for her, especially still being at school. Like I, I was when I was her age, I remember saying to a group of mates, like in confidence, um, oh, like, I understand homosexuality. And I was being very candidly because I thought I was amongst good friends, uh, which turned out to be not true. And I was saying, like, oh, I, I understand homosexuality. That's they feel what I feel for a woman, but for someone who's the same sex as them, I totally get that totally get bisexuality they feel it for everybody mm-hmm. i i totally get this totally get this transgenderism i don't understand that i don't understand this idea that you can believe that you're in the wrong body when you never made that choice and then and that was honestly almost verbatim how i said it give or take because it was over 10 years ago and what i got even then so this would have been 20 you could, you could feel the fatwa being issued right? <laughs> even, so, so, a progressive <laughs> fatwa <laughs> uh, yeah even, yeah yeah but even then the response is well then you're just you're just uh like i don't think bigot was really a word that was being chucked around back then especially not by by high school kids but it was something like that it was very much like oh well you're just you're just uh bigoted you're just refusing to understand other people it's and then like, one friend backed me up and went no no he's literally trying to understand it that's why he's just said what he said and he's like, oh, you're, 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 you're refusing to acknowledge these people. It's like, no, I'm, I'm saying I don't understand it. So fucking help me. And that now looking back in retrospect was like, oh, no, it was never the point. The point was never to help me. It was, I, I'm not supposed to understand it. That's why they keep adding more and more letters so that you're always one step behind. You're never, you're, you're not able to understand it because if that's what they wanted, we would because we could easily understand it if they left the fucking thing alone for five minutes so that we could get a grip on it. But then, then the game's over. Then it's all, it's all done. It's all finished. Well, it's because a lot of what they argue about isn't really real in the first place. Men are men. Men can't be women. Women can't be men. And I suspect that if you would have asked them to explain it, and even whether you push back or not, they wouldn't have been able to. That's why they called you a bigot. That's why they do that, because they can't defend. A lot of these people can't defend what they believe, and they're not approaching this in good faith anyway. And I think a lot of ways, they, they this is a, a chance for them to virtue signal. So if somebody like you says, you know, I don't really understand this whole transgender thing. I mean, can you explain it to me? That gives them a chance to get on their lofty perch and say, oh, you're a bigot. You're a horrible person. And, and I'm, and I'm great because I called you out on it. I mean, they, they don't want conversation. They don't want persuasion. They don't want dialogue. They just want you to fall in line. And even with this whole system of categorization, this isn't really designed to move anything forward. This is designed Mm -hmm. to create various victim classes that people can belong to in the UK and in America. You have a huge jump in the number of teenage girls identifying as trans. A huge yeah. jump. In the UK, I believe it went up by 4,000%, according to Abigail Schreier's book. Um, mm. And 
and even beyond that, even in America, the number of uh, white people identifying as Native American because maybe they have, they have a drop of Native American <laughs> blood or maybe they have none but want to say that they do, right. that has gone way up as well. You have a lot yeah. more people identifying as non-binary. Now, for some of these people, they might actually have some issues. They might actually have some yeah. gender dysphoria. 4,000%, no, that's a social contagion. One yeah. of the reasons why is because <laughs> if you're a straight white girl, especially a girl, I mean, because with men, it, with boys, it's happening too, but it's more with girls. If you're a straight white girl, then your status is diminished because you're not enough of a victim. You only have like one victim point because you're a female. That's it. Yeah, you're, no. yeah. And so the way the system works is that they prioritize voices in, in an intersectional sense. So if you have more, if you check off more of the boxes, quote unquote, then your voice gets <laughs> prioritized while other voices don't because this promotes quote unquote equity. But to me, that's not, I don't, I've stopped believing that these people have good intentions. I, I think a lot of them do. Same. Like maybe a lot yeah. of people who get fooled by this stuff probably have good intentions because yeah. nobody Correct. likes bigotry. Nobody likes bigotry. Correct. But the people who are making this stuff up and using this to enforce their will, I don't believe for a second that they actually believe a lot of it. One thing that I always say when I write about racial issues or bigotry in general, mm. I say these people do not view bigotry as a problem to be solved. They view it Correct. as a weapon to be used against people they Correct. don't like. And when you understand that, then you can fight back better against it because you're not assuming that they're coming in good faith. Right. They just want to call you racist. And a lot of them get paid big bucks to call you racist. Yeah. And this and this is this is where when going back to what we're talking about, about the various failings of the right is it's like the right in a lot of ways. And I think it's the same. Like, I don't know. In, in America you still have people who are willing to go out and, and protest and you still have people who are willing to make noise. Britain, we're pacified beyond belief to the point where you doesn't matter who you vote for at this point, you get the same shit. Like you get, mm. you get the same thing. If you vote for the left wing party, if you vote for the Labour Party, you get the woke stuff because they have the most vocal proponents for that, that, set of talking points then the conservatives like i'm convinced that rishi sunak is uh there is a, a tactic because he is second generation indian um practicing hindu so then they can go look we're not the racist party anymore because we have a brown man as the party leader in the same way that it almost think i almost think looking retrospectively that the Conservative Party were the ones who legalized gay marriage in Britain. And at the time, I thought, oh, well, yeah, what a real progressive move. Now I sit there and I go, like, oh, no, you did that so that then you can not be called the homophobic party. It's all chess. It's all trying to preempt. And it, and it never works, by the way, because they still get called it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is the point is when we talk about the failings of the right is they have the left's game plan so misunderstood. They don't like they they think that their political ideological opponents want to be economically prosperous start their own business and and live a free and enriched life no. they assume conscientiousness they, right. they assume conscientiousness no. they they're projecting yeah. 
they're projecting what their values are completely overlooking the fact that maybe maybe they just want to push their ideology on you and that's the beginning middle and the end of their goal so so uh, you and i have talked about this before ben and i'd be curious to hear jeff's sort of take on this is um well a couple of things first off i want to hear about your your sort of transformation because when i saw the midterm elections i felt the same way as you i was like god dang it these guys are just not they're not going to get it together. Uh, so I'd be curious to hear about that. But uh, to sort of kind of dovetail these things together, uh, there seems to be this this interesting. <clears throat> you put up you put out a tweet about this a couple of days ago, where you said, uh, you know, someone had said, uh, uh, progress- "Progressivism is is conservatism driving the speed limit," and you said this will become uh increasingly uh, or this will increasingly become more obvious i think in 2023 is that sort of related to this transformation that you had or is it uh I, tease that out for me because I, I think i think it's really interesting and i think it kind of ties to what we've been discussing up to this point which is um maybe the achilles heel of all of this is what what Ben is essentially was what Ben is alluding to, which is there is a conscientiousness here that uh, you know you might yourself subscribe to. You might believe in things like decorum or tradition or rules, but that might not be universally uh, 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 that might not be the case universally. So I'm curious, what what are your thoughts? You know, I think regular people believe in a lot of the same things, like decorum and, and stuff like that. But yeah. the fringes on both sides don't. And guess who's in power, right? You know, right. and and going back to what Ben was saying too about the, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the Tory and Labour parties, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, about them, about the the Labour being far left, and then the Conservatives not really doing much against it. Yeah, that, that's the story of my life here, too. Um, it's very interesting to hear you say that because it lets me know that America is not alone because that's exactly what we've got going no, 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 on no. here. Yeah. Yep. Because like, yep. I hear about it, right? Because I consume a lot. Sorry. From no, me. Go ahead, go he ahead. hears my complaining. No, he hears, I was just going to say, yeah, you hear me complaining about it. And I, and I talk to him about this all the time. It's fascinating because I was, before Ben and I started doing this, I wasn't really like, you know, I could tell you who's running for district at this or that place, but I couldn't. I have no idea what's going on in Britain. And so hearing him sort of describe English politics has been fascinating because they're going almost almost in lockstep with us, uh, maybe just one step behind. But it's it's kind of scary. So anyway, it's gone. Yeah. It, yeah it, same. It oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say same shit, different accent. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's you know. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about what I was tweeting, there, there were a few different tweets that I tweeted. So one of them was, yeah. conservatism is progressivism going to speed limit. Now, that's a quote from Michael Malice, who's a pretty yes. well-known, yeah, he's a well-known anarchist commentator, author, yeah. podcaster. He does all kinds of stuff. Great guy. Um, kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah kind yeah. of a big deal. Yes. Yeah. I actually got to <laughs> yeah, meet him yeah. in person here in Austin earlier this year. That was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you were in Austin. Anyways, we'll get back to it. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah we, we can talk. Yeah. Uh, but um, 
But I've also been posting other tweets talking about the rising authoritarianism in the conservative movement specifically. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the right because the right can encompass, you know, right. alt-right, I don't know, libertarian, anarchists, and then conservatives. I'm talking specifically about the mainstream conservative movement. And I've been watching this happen for the past few years. It's been kind of slow going. But over the the last, I'd say over the last two years, I've seen these movements starting to come up. You've got one called the National Conservative Movement, which Mm. is basically at the fundamental level, they have some policy ideas that I probably agree with, but then they have some methods that I don't. Like they want to use the government to enforce their conservatism on the rest of the country. And even when I identified as a conservative, I would not be on board with that because to me, authoritarianism is authoritarianism. I don't care which side it's Mm. coming from. It's both bad. Mm. It all leads to the same place. When you start getting to the place where you're like, I'm going to use the government, I'm going to use men with guns to force you to do what I want you to do, even though you're not hurting me or anybody else, I can't be on board with that. Now, we already know that that's what the far left wants. But conservatives were at least pretending to not want to do that, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but now we do have this movement that just straight up says it. We should be using the government to enforce certain types of morality. We shouldn't be shying away from using the federal government to, to, to attack the left. Case in point, how many people did you see cheering for Governor Florida Governor Ron DeSantis when he took away Disney's tax-exempt status specifically because they spoke out against a law that he was championing? Now, here's the thing. Here was the thing that was complicated. I agreed with what he did. I disagreed with why he did it. Like, if he had just done that directly, then I'm like, okay, whatever. But he used the power of the state to punish a political opponent. That And that's exactly what he did. And when I pointed this out, and this is back when I used to like DeSantis more, I don't you know, I don't hate him, but I'm I'm just honestly, when it comes to the presidential politics, I've stopped caring and we can get into that, too. But, <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah, it's just prom king, you know, politics on steroids. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It Go is. On. Yeah. My, my focus is on pushing liberty at the local level because that can yep. deal with the excesses of the state. But yeah, but you had all these people cheering it or, or some people who weren't cheering it, but pretending like he wasn't doing what he actually did bending over backwards to defend him. And I was like, you guys are right for the picking that you guys are right for the picking because this movement is going to come up and they're going to use people that you like to, to, to actually carry a lot of this stuff out. And over this next year, Republicans are not in power. They have the house, but they're not going to be able to get anything passed. So this, the, the next two years are going to be spent with our influencers and politicians priming the base to be more amenable to statist uh, solutions. Uh, There's a a thing called common good constitutionalism where they want to use that in the judiciary to have courts rule in a way that reflects the common good. So basically pushing a conservative agenda through activist courts. So they're the same thing. At this point, they're beyond being the same thing. So what I've been saying is like, you know, oh, if you vote libertarian or whatever, they say, oh, well, you're going to make sure Democrats win. Well, the parties aren't different enough to where that matters. If the Republican wins, it's not going to be different enough. And if the Democrat wins, it's not going to be different enough. It's going to be the same shit. So to me, why not push for a different solution? And there are ones that do exist. But that's what's terrifying me because you we've already got statism on the left. Now we're going to start get, getting more of it on the right. And I want to I really want to, to fight that. We're mining the same yeah. vein. 
we're mining the same veins. Yeah. Like this, mm-hmm. this is like both sides are mining. Yeah, they're going in. They're actually tunneling in the same direction. And this is this is what I mean when I bring up the UK because I, I I'd like to uh, kind of expand just a little bit to make sure that it's understood. I actually don't believe that Labour in this country is far left. I don't mm. believe that. Mm. The far left mm. activists support Labour, but I don't believe okay. that the party is far left. I, the, 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 the party is supposed to be the party of the working people. Like, so when, when Johnson got elected in 2019 um, by a, a huge majority, like I think one, it was like the biggest majority since Thatcher, I think. Um, so massive majority. And he broke what's known as the Red Wall which was mm. a wall in the north of England that always would vote Labour, um, irrespective of how well or poorly things seem to be going, just because of their vitriol towards the Tory party. And it was very Trump-esque insofar as Trump was, you know, you had all these people on the left when Trump was going, because, like, for example, in the UK, you would actually hear things from left-wingers, and you hear the same thing about Brexit, which is, and they will say with no hint of irony, nobody wanted Trump. And they will say that because they believe that. They believe that nobody wanted Trump to win. And what that translates to is, I don't know anybody who... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have I have no friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I only yeah, talk yeah. to one kind of people. I'm stuck in an echo chamber. Yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's factually untrue to say that nobody wanted someone who got around 50% of the vote. And it's the same with Brexit. People would say nobody actually wanted Brexit. So no, 52% of the electorate did. 52% of the people who casted their ballot that day did. That's why we have it. That's why we left the EU. But they, they believe it when they say out of their mouth, nobody wanted this. Because in their worldview, nobody did. And it, this is what I mean. Like in Because I was having this discussion quite recently, be interesting to get your take on it, is especially when we're talking about where we think it's going to go. Because a lot of the stuff about Trump, similar with Boris, because Boris, so Trump is obviously a business mogul billionaire, and Boris is a, so he's in the economic elite, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily the intellectual elite. Whereas you've got Boris Johnson, who is not necessarily in the economic elite, but is very much in the intellectual elite. He went to Eton. He uh, which are, for our American audience is the most prestigious secondary school in the country. Like it, it is, it's the Harvard of secondary schools. Um, and then you very, very exclusive. And then he went to Oxford University um, or the Hogwarts. And then went into politics. So he, he is as establishment sort of intelligentsia elite as you can get. He wrote for the Telegraph. He wrote for all the big national right-wing newspapers and yet he got more of the working class vote than any Tory for a very, very long time in the same way that Trump got a lot of the working class vote than any Republican for a very, very long time. And that you get a lot of these people would say, who are these idiots that are voting for him? So are they the idiots or are you the idiot for not identifying this and why? Like your guy who's currently the leader of the Labour Party, the working man's party, is a knighted barrister. This is not this is not Arthur Scargill. This is not a miner. This is not a man who's ever worked with his hands. 
He's probably got hands softer than a temper mattress. He doesn't know what hard work is. He doesn't know what a callus is on his on the, on the palm of his hand. This, but this is this is your leader of the working man's party. How they they are actually they are so similar. The similarities between someone like Boris Johnson and someone like Keir Starmer are stark. But nobody seems to be paying attention to any of that because we're stuck in old old patterns of thinking where we just think like, oh no, but Labour are the Labour are the working man's party. I, I think I think some people are paying attention. Um, I just don't think enough are. I mean, the, a good example of that is the DeSantis, uh, bill, DeSantis's bill, and I know which bill you're talking about. Um, like that, that. What was interesting about that, and that, that, that it's, you kind of made made me start. To, you started making the the juices flow in, in my brain on this one because this might lend to your theory. I, I don't remember the exact stipulations of the, the tax uh, part of the law, but I remember basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, someone correct me if I'm wrong, that he was giving them something that they kind of already had or wasn't really going to do too much, you know, quote, unquote. It wasn't as severe as it, it, as it suggested, which was really interesting to me. And it kind of lends to that idea that, that uh yeah you know what i'm going to i'm going to wet the ap- appetites of these people so that they think that uh we actually care about this sort of moral posturing and not only that i'm going to use it as a training device almost like a pavlovian device to start wetting them up right getting them ready for the sort of next sorts of pieces of legislation which will uh prepare them for what you were talking about, Jeff, which is really interesting to me. I, yeah. I don't, do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Go on. Sorry. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's almost like he was testing the waters and I actually don't think that that's what he did it for, but it kind of is because he knows DeSantis is a great politician. He knows, he's genius. He, he yeah. knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. even when he first did it, I was like, yeah, they're, they're going to come back to the table and they'll probably get a lot of that back. And, and I thought I saw something to that effect. I didn't really dig into it because I didn't care. Because I like I, yeah. I knew for a fact that that was going to happen eventually at some point. Like he's not going to punish Disney that hard. Disney helped to fund his campaign back in the day. So correct. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, so I he slapped Disney. Yeah. So yeah. so he slapped yeah, Disney around. And the thing is, I didn't agree with Disney. I disagreed with him. I was on yeah. DeSantis's side between him and Disney, even with the law that they were whining about the the parental rights and education. I, I agreed with with most of that law even though I think that the government should be out of education completely. But if, you know, if you're going to have them in government education, you probably shouldn't be indoctrinating them when they're like eight years old. Kind of a bad idea. But uh, my thing what, is... What a crazy thing to say. Yeah. yeah what an unbelievable what a, what a position piece of to shit. hold. Yeah, yeah. Imagine not instructing eight-year-old kids on gender identity. That's insane. Like, I can't... Like, yeah. But, yeah. You're a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which, by the way, even Democrats agreed with that law. According, <laughs> according to, that. I remember that. Yeah, yes. according to polling, when they actually were told what it is, and then they were polled, they agreed with it. Yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but getting back back to your question, um, I I do think that that was a sign to me. That was something that I I already saw this coming. But when he did that, and I saw the response, I was like, hmm. 
Okay. I was like, I was like, okay, I, I see, I see where this is going. And I wasn't surprised because in the MAGA movement, the more America first mm. movement, you do have a huge strain of populism, just like you have in the UK with Boris Johnson, which is probably how he won a lot of those, those working class voters. Right. That's how Trump won them, populism. And a certain level of populism is okay, but too much of it, and then you lose all your principles. You're just going to mm. basically do yeah. what you what you think people want to mm. hear. And to me, that that allows for more statism. But what I'm talking about is actually part of that. But even yeah. among the establishment, even the mo more establishment people, the national conservative movement is made up of a lot of establishment type people. And the politicians that are kind of seem more amenable to it, uh, Marco Rubio, some others, they're not part of America first. So this is kind of an all around thing, you know, and I, you know, I got a little bit of inside baseball from people that I talked to and there, I mean, the conservative movement over the years has adopted more libertarian ideas on certain topics. Right. Um, you know, like when it comes to, to, to gay marriage, they think that the government should even be involved in marriage. Uh, when it comes to, to other issues, they're more libertarian on it. You know, Weed should be legalized. I think all drugs should be legalized, but the conservatives will at least budge on weed. But there, there, there is a movement to get rid of a lot of that and go back to the way it was before, where they again wanted to force morality on people using using the government. But even beyond that, being more willing to use the government against the left when they do things that they don't like, to use the government to punish their their their, their enemies and to specifically right. pu push conservative values. And, you know, the, the prophet Jeff Isaiah is saying that we are going to see a lot more of this. That, that, that's what those tweets were about. I, I wanted to, to put those down so that when it happens, I can refer back to them later and see, I told you, mm. I told you this was going mm. to happen. And I think some people are still in denial about it, but they're going to see because when when you have the culture war that we have right now and you have a populace right. that has a team sports mentality where basically mm -hmm. they will excuse behavior on their own side that they would condemn if the other side did it then again you're right for the picking if you want to push yeah. a status agenda in the conservative movement now's the time that's a really good point because it's it yeah it's it's we are definitely seeing that like i i saw a, a young guy on prager you on one of their shorts videos where it was like he got asked, um, at least I think it was PragerU, but he got asked, you know, what's a, what's a hot take that you have um, about the country politically? And he goes, oh, it's not team sports. That's that's my hot take, is that like actually we're working towards the same goal, which is that we want a country that is as as good a place as possible for people to live. We're not supposed to be working against each other. The left and the right are supposed to keep each other in check. You're supposed to have... You, the, you know, the left is there to speak for the dispossessed at the bottom and the, the, or oh, to put it in the, yeah, exactly. Or to put it in the Jordan Peterson framing, the way that he says it is like, you know, the left and the right need each other. You've got the, the, uh, the left wing, the liberal types start the companies, the conservatives run them. So provided everything's going in the right direction, great, get the conservatives in there because they'll make sure that it's running as efficiently as possible. But you actually need the new thing because you need the liberal thing because you need the ones who are avant-garde, the ones who are not afraid to break the mold. They're there to establish new directions, and you actually need you need both of those things. And this is this is the point because I I 
don't know, like Baz and I, when we were starting this podcast, we put together a list of why us? Like, why do we think that we're in a position to be able to do this? And one of the things that we wrote down was um, we're politi- we we are like a lot of people, like you said right off the top when you said, no, no, actually a lot of black people are pro-Second Amendment. A lot of black people, you'll never hear about it, but a lot of black people have conservative values. A lot of black people are pro-Second Amendment. And it's the we we said that like okay, so maybe there's a lot of people out there who are politically homeless and politically dispossessed, and they don't know mm-hmm. where to go. And that that's 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 us. That's that's like I I don't know. Like I, one of the things that I was saying to this the socialist lady that I was with on Boxing Day was like, one of the things that I worry about is I'm already this cynical at 27. Like I I believe that the two the two main parties in this country, and it's the same in the states. I believe that they they push the same shit because neither of them are actually paying attention to to who is who's got their to what the public is actually feeling about anything. They are just like uh, the way I put it in the British context is the left, uh, the Labour Party will subscribe to woke policy and put forward woke policy because they, they some of their subs- their supporter base endorses it. And they are in fact proponents of that, of these policies and the conservatives will endorse it because they mistakenly think that if they do, these people will then vote for them. Like, and it's like no, no, that's not, that's not, it, that's not the reality of it. it uh, but they're like, we've got the le- leader of the Labour Party now coming forward and saying that he's going to be the one to clamp down on cross-channel immigration. The leader of the Labour Party is saying that. He said in a statement that he's going to, he's going to put a, uh, stop to if he's elected put a stop to um which i think is going to happen um he's going to which is in 2024 as well actually holy shit that's going to be a big year the next british election is in 2024 mm. um and he we've got yeah the leader of the opposition the leader of the labor party the left wing party saying we're going to clamp down on immigration none of it makes sense like that's interesting someone like me who's 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 largely an idiot i don't know what to make of any of this like this is what i mean about like the idea of you just when it's the whole thing of i didn't change i didn't move it's like no we we just got blindsided with with this stuff like i remember having a conversation with a friend about three or four years ago certainly before covid and um he was probably a pretty moderate guy but then he went to a good university so came out incredibly woke left and he was explaining to me that the only reason that obama um won was because he exhibited whiteness (laughs) oh that's amazing this is a brit saying this and of course right i've heard murmurings of this from american content that i'd consumed up to that point and you were like i expect that from them but (laughs) (laughs) sitting there Right, right 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 Come on, yeah, yeah, like yeah, we're yeah, the yeah. one stereotype that we get to level at Americans is that oh, Americans are stupid, and now look where you've got us. But anyway, like I was saying to, so I was saying to him, um, <laughs> like I said, okay, what do you mean by by whiteness? Like, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, well, he's well spoken and he's highly educated. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this might be the most racist thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I, I don't think you're going to agree he's like no 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 here's here's why it's not and then i can't i, I can't remember what he said because it was one of those word salads well yeah talking a lot without saying anything 
yeah. and I'm I'm sort of I'm trying to get my head around this. So, so then, and then I asked him, and this is where the the conversation kind of fell apart because it was oh you just don't understand or one of those sort of get out clauses. But it was like I asked him, so does that then mean that Obama has white privilege? And and I and I what now I wasn't saying it as like a as a gotcha. You're such an asshole. I love Man, it. I you should have been. <laughs> now, now I'd say I love it. it. No, yeah, now yeah, yeah. I'd say it to be an asshole. But at the time, I said it because I genuinely was sitting there going, "Okay." And I, I that was when I'd started sort of listening to these thinkers like uh, Weinstein and Harris and Peterson and the, the whole sort of intellectual dark web. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still a relevant term anymore. I, it's, I can't keep up with this shit. But, um, you know, listening to those speakers and they, like, for example, I remember hearing, it, the reason I asked him that is because I remember hearing Peterson say, um, like, if if you have women in power, is it still, a, do we still call it a patriarchy? Because he's like, is the patriarchy attributed to the men or is it attributed to the power? And it, this is what I was basically getting at with this guy. I was like, okay, so he's you're saying that he's exhibiting whiteness. So does he then have white privilege because he had a very privileged <laughs> upbringing and all the rest of it? You did. And like, I, I because, I, and I'm sitting there going, I, I still, I'll be honest, I still don't understand what he meant because I, I can't. He didn't either, trust me. He, he didn't understand it. <laughs> I guarantee you he did. Right. Isn't that the isn't that the saliency of all this though? Because you know, going back to what you were saying, Jeff, uh, it, when you can catch people who aren't necessarily sort of te- uh, tearing these things down and sort of assessing them for for what they are, you can ca- you can really catch them. I mean, that's what makes this thing so dangerous to me. Uh, you really can catch people in the team sports game. And that's what makes, you know, going back to the DeSantis, but that's what makes that move really brilliant. And even if he isn't aware of it, right? Like the only thing I would push back against what you were saying, and, and this is this is open for everybody to sort of kind of jump in and, and, and think on is the, the only thing I would push back on is I really do think that these people know what they're doing. Um, I don't actually think that that they're completely blind. Yes, sometimes they may strike gold by accident, but you know, even in those moments when they do, they're still going to capitalize on the effects that they they capture, right, in future elections. So they're still, yes, maybe they 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 don't have a complete understanding of of, of what's going on, but I don't know. With each you know election, with each sort of cycle, I mean, even just this past DeSantis thing, this was just. Last year, it wasn't that far ago. Uh, there's going to be a honing in on this. On there's going to be a fine tuning of this machine with each election. Hence, sort of the, the 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 danger of all this. And if you compound that with uh, a lack of understanding or a lack of creativity or a lack of honestly, this is what it really is: is a lack of critical thought. Man, you've got some ripe grounds. You got some fertile grounds to capture people. I don't know, man. This kind of freaks me out. Yeah, it freaks me out too. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I kind of shifted because I see what's happening there and it's not going to stop. The thing is, I think the leadership knows what they're doing. 
So right. when I'm talking about the leadership, I'm talking about political leadership. I'm, talk I'm talking about members of the chattering class. I'm talking right. about your social media right. influencers, your alternative yep. media yep. influencers, cable news. They know. I, I believe they know. Because <laughs> honestly, I, I, give, I give them too much credit. I don't believe that they're actually stupid enough to not know what they're doing. <laughs> so now people yeah. at, the, at the everyday level, it's right. It's not the same. It's not even a matter of stupidity yeah. because most people don't live in this stuff the way we do. No. I mean, I do this. They have actual lives. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I do this every day, seven days a week. It's my job. Right. But for most people, it's not. So they're raising their kids. They're working on their marriages or going to work. Right. They're doing all this other right. stuff, spending time with their families. And so a lot of times people don't think critically. And that's just the fact of the matter. Just a lot of times people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, are you guys familiar with the, with the NPC meme, the non-playable character? Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when that came out, people were using that against the left. Like, yo, orange man bad. Or CNN tells you to say something right. and you say it. You're reading from a script. They were 100% right. But they were also right about themselves because they do the same thing. You can tell. Yeah. I mean, and I've talked yeah. to friends about this on the right and the left. You can tell when somebody is just repeating a script. They don't even know they're doing it. Because they're right. getting it from these people who are lying to them, who are deceiving them, who are misleading them. And I don't think that every influencer is doing this on purpose. I think maybe some of them yeah. are, 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 you know, don't really understand either. But I think, but what happens is you even ask them a question or you push back a little bit and they fall mm -hmm. apart because they're not actually thinking this stuff through. Like the friend that you were talking about, Ben, I, that's why I said mm -hmm. he doesn't understand it either. Because if you were to question it, he has no idea what he's talking about. What he was talking about, you know, being articulate and, you know, being intelligent. They had that at the African-American History Museum here in D.C. They had a whole list. Robin DiAngelo, um, Robin DiAngelo, who is oh, the white progressive God. version Even of I Candace Owens, is. <laughs> is, it has that same list in her training that she uses to supposedly teach white people to be less racist. You know, they say these things are a part of whiteness, showing up on time individualism, meritocracy, Jeez, the idea that you have to work hard for what you get. That's all whiteness. That's not that that's not something that black people adhere to naturally who because <laughs> we're different. You know who else agrees with that? David Duke. The Klan. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you put that list in front of Lyndon Richard B. Spencer Johnson. or David Duke's yeah. Nikki Fuentes or maybe even Kanye West, they would all agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> So to me, and it's like your Bro. friend, Ben, like I, I suspect that he had no idea how racist that sounded. Like if you were to go up no, to a no, black person. No, yeah. I, no, I was the racist in that exchange. Exactly. I was the racist. But, but here's because the thing. I'm not, because I'm not acknowledging whiteness. Here, here's what you should have done. You should have told him to go up to the nearest black person and tell him that, he, that these things don't apply to him because he's black and this is whiteness. And you'd be there to kind of break up the fight, but you know, just tell him to do it and see what happens. Because he would get slapped, you know. I shouldn't say I mean, that, this is, this that just implies no. that black people are inherently violent. People are violent. Just... Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, the facts are the facts, Jeff. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I, uh, I uh, this is the fight. This is the fight I, I had to deal with in college, dude. Like I remember, I was in an African philosophy class, and I remember this math, like this math major, was just like, "Well, 
you know, we were talking about something about African cultural politics. And yeah, that dude did not like me by the end of the, the, the semester. But he was just like, yeah, well, you know, the time is not really, you know, it's like a different value to them. And I was like, time is a different value to us. I don't really, because I'm, ha- I'm half, uh, you know, I'm half, that's hence my handle on Twitter, half African. Oh, so you, and, you work on uh, CPT then, right? Follow him. Oh, all the time, all the time. Uh, yeah, I've got lots of time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, don't tempt me. I, uh, I, I just remember like that was kind of the thing I had to push back against you know, all through university, which is like, you know, people coming in and being like, well, you know, Africans, I'd be like, Africans, what? Africans, like, what? What? Yeah. Like, what do we do? We don't believe in what? Being on time. We don't believe in clocks. Like, what are you talking about right now, dude? Like, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy because, you know, I, you know, I went to, I went to university, Ben, university in uh, 20, what was it? 2008, 2009. I'm showing my age now. And uh, that's or as everyone else where, calls it 2008 or 2009. But look, look, look okay. let's, not, let's not get into this. This is not, this is not, this is not your moment to show off, Ben. All right. <laughs> this is not your moment to show off your command of the English language. No, but this is, that was the time where you sort of saw, saw the seeds of these things. And I was like, am I really having to sort of ha- have a discussion with someone on, why it isn't necessarily an African trait to understand the sort of bearings of time and the, you know, the meaning, the ultimate meaning of scholarship to people. Is that really where it's, yeah, it's one of I'm at? Where it's like, who's more of the idiot if you have to say to this guy, you know, Africa's a big place. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's also not I a know. country. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Well, yeah, it's also not spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's just it's just interesting to me because the more we have this conversation, the more honestly frightened I get, Jeff, because this is, you know, it, it is capitalizing upon that lack of time that people have. I used to have this discussion with my dad all the time. The Americans suffer from from uh, uh, not who's there's great. I don't know if it was an English or an American writer, writer who says the American mind isn't challenged right it's it's just bored right and politics is one of those things that i think falls under bored right if you tell an american uh, you know if you ask an american you know any sort of basic uh, problem in statistics they have no idea but if you ask them uh, about a problem in baseball right or like to calculate something specific to, to the statistics the statistics of their favorite baseball player they've got it Right. And I feel like politics is one of those things where there isn't any engagement as a as a consequence of maybe despair, if I'm being frank, and then the other being, you know, just a lack of of maybe general interest. And that is a product of, you know, the 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 politics, I think, of the American work week and I mean the the politics of just I mean not even politics, just the general consequence of just living life. There is no way you have time. Like uh, Ben and I are comfortable with ostracizing our loved ones, right? So that's why we might be comfortable with with sort of diving into these things. But the average person isn't. And so now I see like, oh, you guys are using the same formula, but but using a different jam. And that's, I don't know, man, you're going to, you. I mean, you've left something in me. This is going to be what I'm going to be thinking about, honestly, all week. So it's interesting. You know, and I think there are ways to push back on it. I mean, 
you know, yes. I mean, and you guys are right. I mean, people just don't think critically anymore. They really don't even teach it in schools anymore. When I was in, when I was in college, then I, there was a logic class, there were logic classes mm -hmm. that I took in critical thinking, but they, they don't teach it anymore. They don't really even teach civics and that that's by design. They, they want us ignorant. They, they want us ambivalent. They want us caught up in, in sports and in other stuff. But, you know, in, increasingly what I've been noticing, especially when Donnie and I have been doing these liberty spaces, mm. there, there are a lot of Republicans who feel just the way I did. And I, I technically didn't really identify as a Republican, but that's where I had most of my attention. That's where I voted for the most. That's what I talked about the most. And, you know, I think they want something different. They want to feel like, you know, they, they realize, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that the Republicans aren't different enough from the Democrats, like I was saying before. Right. And especially since the they lost, like, in the last three elections, but Rona McDaniel is still going to head up the RNC. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Kevin, yeah. Kevin McCarthy is still going to be Speaker of the House. So that yeah. that's why I kept saying after the midterms, I kept tweeting, you know, they don't want to win. And some of these people want to not win, if that makes sense. They, 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 the thing about the Republicans <laughs> yeah. and the establishment is that their big objective is to stay in power. It doesn't matter whether they win or lose. As long as they, they still got that same job, they still got that same bag, mm. they got that, that same paycheck, mm. they're, they're good. And so we, Donnie and I keep getting people saying, you know, you know, I just feel so disenchanted, disillusioned. But, mm. you know, when I'm talking, when I hear you guys talking about liberty and focusing local, Mm. That that they're, they're starting to change some minds. The people being mm. more in, being more open to not focusing on party, but focusing on liberty. You can have a liberty-minded Republican running at a, the, the local level. A good friend of mine is one of them. His name is Ross. He's out here in Texas. He he ran as a Republican, but the guy is liberty-minded. He's more libertarian <laughs> than than anything else. But you can, you can also have libertarians. And realistically, that's the politics that matters the most, especially in the United States. And that's what the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus is pushing for. And so to me, people are, you know, they're saying, you know, I felt like my vote, my vote doesn't count. I'm like, well, it, it'll count at the, at the local level. And it's like I said, it seems like it's almost every day that there's at least one person saying to one of us, you know what, what you what you guys are saying makes sense. I mean, the Republican Party isn't it. We need to be focused on liberty in our communities and in our local areas and that kind of thing. So it's really exciting to see. So, I mean, I, I know I've been very doom and gloom, but I'm actually optimistic, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. It makes sense. No. It's when you strip away the crap. It's it's when you when you speak to these people about what really matters and what really matters to them on a day-to-day -day basis is what's happening at the local level. It's one of the things, because mm -hmm. I in from the to add the british perspective to that and yeah and bear in mind i am a poll of one but it's like in britain it's almost because when it's a u.s election year that is global news like because like for example one of the jokes that i've made with baz in the past is that a lot of times when an american's talking about political issues or some sort of uh, cultural issues let's say when a, an american would say the nation a uh, uh, european would say the world and that's basically because we have as many countries within the same amount of space as the US has states. Like it's just, it's one nation for 3,000 miles. Mm -hmm. And in, in Europe, it's 30. And so it's, it's, but they're actually talking about the same thing a lot. So in the UK, like you don't vote for, um, and I'm sure you both know this already. So for the sake of anyone in the audience who doesn't, in the UK, you don't vote for the prime minister. 
Um, well, you do, but you don't. His name isn't on, or her, his or her name isn't on the ballot. It is the name of the person who's running for parliament in your constituency, and you vote for them. And then, if enough MPs get elected, the party leader typically becomes prime minister. So you know that your vote counts towards the prime ministership because you know that if I vote for the Labour MP then and Labour win, my vote counted towards Labour having the prime ministership. Um, but we've kind of duped ourselves, it feels like, in Britain that we vote like America, where we, we care about the one person who's going to take the helm. When actually in Britain, our voting system is set up so to exactly what you've just mentioned there, Jeff, which is it's at the local level. It's at your constituency. But no one's bothered about what their local MP candidates have said they're going to do for the local constituency and what they're going to do for the local area. They're focused on the guy who's going to become prime minister, which is backwards it's because and this is because you're you're the people that you're speaking to who are saying like oh my vote doesn't count that's me i feel like that guy but but then because i'm misframing it as well because i'm thinking like because for example i voted for boris johnson in 2019 can't stand the bloke i feel like i had the world pulled over my eyes i feel like i got duped i feel like i got goose stepped because i really liked his rhetoric i liked that he was quick on his feet he was funny he mm -hmm. in the House of Commons, he was sharp. He could come back with the line, like, and that was great. And it, it, it's it because it, it it was inspiring in a lot of ways. But then he's just another cookie cutter WEF minion like the rest of them. But I didn't know that at the time. And and a lot of people, and this is like what you're saying, Baz, about how we tend to do it. Is like we were talking about this with Josh Olin about crypto, where it's like the whole do your own research attitude, where it's like. Yeah, but should people have to? Like why why can't why can't people just live the way they want to live and trust have faith in the institutions? Why do they need to go and look at every little thing about whoever it is that they're casting their ballot for and be like, "Oh no, actually I don't know about him because he's got this affiliation and that affiliation." Why can't they live their lives with a bit more trust and a bit more faith? Uh real quick, I I'm curious to hear uh, and this might be a, a sudden change of gears, but I want to know what, um, or maybe we've we've already discussed it. What uh, what exactly has frustrated you with um, conservatives at length when it comes to maybe minority voters? Because that's something I really wanted to, to kind of dissect with you. And by the way, were you talking about Ross Ram Ramsey? Who are you talking? Which Ross or Ross Schumann? Ross Schumann. Or I know. Yeah. Okay. I figured yeah. that's, <laughs> nice, that's my nice. boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, I was just curious to hear what your thoughts were on that. Oh man, that's a lot. Um, I mean, really start, just start from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Wherever, wherever, you yeah. know, really just the fact that well, as, well, as far as the party goes, it just didn't, doesn't want black votes. It doesn't want to do the work. It doesn't want to talk yeah. to black people um, for decades. They have, put on airs. They have pretended that they were trying to get black votes, mainly because they know that if you were to ask the average, say, white Republican, if they wanted mm. the party to court more black voters and get more black people over to the right, 
90% of them would say yes. So they had to make it look like they were trying, but they mm. really weren't. Um, when you look at conservative media, the black conservatives who they did put forward, their main platform was black people suck, basically. Um, mm. They had this whole- Can you give some examples of that? We're going to get people who are going to be like, yeah, so, so, you yeah. know, for that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so promoting narratives designed to make it look like black people are, are violent, even though it's like less than 1% of us that commit those violent crimes. You'll hear a lot about 1350. This might making up 13% of the population. Black people commit 50% of the crimes. Okay, you dumbass, but what percentage of the black population is committing those crimes? <laughs> it's not a significant right. percentage. Right. So, right, mo right, right. so most black people aren't violent. What about black on black crime in Chicago? Every time an issue comes up, like if a police officer shoots a black person and it's unjust, well, what about black on black crime in Chicago? Okay, you don't bring that up outside of police shootings because right. you want to distract from it. So you don't give a shit either. Also, if you want to talk about black on black crime in Chicago, why aren't you get on, getting on your party for neglecting Chicago? Why aren't you pushing your party to start running there so that they can replace the mayors and the city council members who are leading to these things? No, you don't care. Not and to mention, not to mention, if you're interested, not to interrupt you, if you're actually interested in these things or are genuinely interested in the sort of capacity for state violence and, and look at the sort of statistics, you'd see that this affects a lot of people. So it's really interesting, right? Like mm -hmm. this is a discussion I've had with Ben. It's like, you know, uh, it's interesting to me that these people seem to focus on that part without realizing like, hey, you're, these people are Americans, right? And also these crimes statistically also affect you. This should still be salient to you, but that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Go on. Sorry. But, but, but the bottom line is that they don't really care about this stuff. They're, it's nothing right. but talking points to them. And the thing is, and they'll right. say, well, why don't black people vote Republican? I'm like, because they know you don't give a <laughs> yeah. shit about them. They see you saying this stuff knowing that you don't really care. You're just using us to score some cheap political points. And on top of that, it's it's like, you know, anytime there is an issue of race. See, here's here's the problem with race issues. The progressives mm. exaggerate it. They, you know, they, they make it sound <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they make it sound like I'm in danger of getting killed by a KKK member every time I step outside my house. That's not true. Right. But then conservatives, because they tend to be more reactionary. They go way the opposite direction right. and say, well, racism doesn't really exist in America except for in the KKK and the Democratic Party. So both are stupid. Both are wrong. But guess right. who gets called the racist? The one who doesn't want to engage in the conversation. The one who doesn't want to right. be honest. Right. The one who doesn't want to be the adults in the room. So right. to me, there's, there's just a lot of issues. And then you have that NPC thing coming into play where when right. it comes to the black community, you've got conservatives who just repeat a script like 1350 or you know a black for a while it was like black people just want free stuff that's why they vote democrat a lot of these people haven't even haven't even talked to a black person like that uh, you, right. you have you know there's a free stuff show for a while they were saying oh we got to get these get the people off of the democratic plantation because they're mentally enslaved to the democratic party so, to me if, if you looked at the amount of white americans who vote for the party that they vote for just because their families did It'd be the same, I guarantee you, whether it's Republican or Democrat. <laughs> and now, now, right. now, when it comes to the black community, there's a whole history 
about why black why. people yeah. vote 90% yeah. for Democrats. But these people don't know that history and their influencers don't know it either or they don't care. So they just tell them, oh, well, Republicans freed the slaves. Democrats did the KKK. And then they skip over what happened between freeing slavery and the civil rights movement. And there's a reason why they do that. One, because they don't know what happened. Two, because the ones who do know don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about the Lily White movement. They're wise enough. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't want to talk about the Lily White movement where the Republican Party kicked black people out of the party. So they started going to yeah. Democrats. I did a whole thing on YouTube about it. So people don't want to understand the context. They're not very intellectually curious on this issue. Mm. And I do blame the, the more the, the media and the politicians on the right because they don't really care about whether black people come over or not either. So they just right. keep lying to their audience. They keep putting up people like, you know, Candace Owens, others who just basically tell white conservatives that black people are mentally enslaved and that's why they won't vote Republican. So because I think they know that if white conservatives knew the truth, then they would make more demands on the Republican Party. So it's really, I, yeah. in, in my estimation, it's it's designed to keep them to keep them ignorant. I mean, some of these influencers talk, and I'm like, have you ever even spoken to a black person before? But they haven't. <laughs> they haven't. They they've maybe spoken to one or two that they work with that may share their beliefs, but they've never just hung out with regular black folks. And a lot of that isn't even their fault. I mean, that's the way our country is divided up geographically. The average conservative lives in flyover country, right? Not a lot of black people out there. So that's not their fault. It's not that they're racist. But at the same time, if all if everything that you know about black people comes from the media, then you don't know anything. I mean, bring, speaking of Ross, we had this conversation. He grew up in mm. Dimebox, Texas, which is about an hour east of where I am, out in the boondocks. And yeah. For the longest time, he, he had interacted with maybe just a few black people, but most of what mm. he knew came from the TV. So he thought that black people were a certain way, that we did things a certain way, and that the people that he knew where he lived were just the exception. Then he got into the military, started traveling, meeting more black people, and found out that he'd been lied to his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I have to laugh or else it would make me cry. Yeah, go on. Sorry. This is yeah, and that's why I'm sort of sat here dumbfounded. Is like you're laughing and you're saying I have to laugh else I'll cry. I'm just because I, I I I'm now like too overt about it. If I'm speaking to somebody who a, a white person in particular, normally female, but just white person, <laughs> and they are spouting off the usual talking points about uh, black oppression, um, uh, incarceration. The usual shit, you know, the, the the normal bullet points. And my first knee-jerk reaction is, oh, okay, you don't have any black friends. You've not spoken to a... a you, you've, maybe you do have black friends, but you've never spoken to them about this. You've never spoken to mm -hmm. them about what they think because you don't feel that you need to because you think you understand them all already perfectly to a greater degree than they could ever understand themselves. It's so it's like because when you're talking about the Republicans here, Jeff, like what I'm what I'm hearing is it's almost like they're just kind of hoping that one by one black people will do a Candace Owens, find it, find this stuff out for themselves <laughs> and migrate across like they they don't think that they and then the other thing that I can't help thinking I was thinking this when you were talking earlier is like and is is about the so we had Morris Sharp on um, the podcast uh, who if you don't know who he is, he. Uh, would write 
he now focuses a lot on leadership versus stewardship and talks about leadership practices in the workplace and how to how to be a better leader and what he would call being a better steward um at work and then and he works for apple and he baz please fill in any of the key points that i'm missing he wrote for wrote, wrote for wrote for apple wrote for apple for 20 years would write uh key points for uh the big man himself mr steve jobs so. one of the things that we were talking to maurice about or morris was the idea of people like living in uh potential land like this is one of the things that i sort of put to him when he we were talking about like one of the reasons people are afraid to progress, one of the reasons people are afraid to uh, clamber up in the world and try and get ahead in the world is because that's quite difficult. It's far easier to stay on the sidelines and speculate. It's, it's, that, that's more comfortable. It burns less calories. It's more efficient. And it feels like that's a lot of what the, what the Republicans are doing in the States is like when you talk about how they want to not win because it's far easier to go on news programs and go, the Democrats are awful, it's all shit, it's all rubbish, they're ruining mm-hmm. the country, than it is to do something about it. And that's what it certainly feels like from 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 my perspective, and then for any of our British, particularly English viewers, think of it like all your friends who support, who love football, they will never speak positively about the England team going into a World Cup. They will always talk about how England are going to go out in the World Cup because then when they do, they can sit there and go, see, I told you so. Mm-hmm. And they like just being right. Just for that little moment, they're willing to suffer all these defeats and all these losses because when the inevitable loss happens and the prophecy self-fulfills, they can then go, ah, you see, I told you so. And that that's that's what it feels like a lot with regards to politics at the moment is like it i even remember watching this with um like when i was watching the apprentice when i was in school and you'd see it amongst these candidates on the show and they would just they'd be spending the task that they'd get given i don't know how similar the format is between the states and britain but uh, they'd be given the task and then they go off and do the task and they get split into teams and of course at the end of it one of them gets fired and it was almost like they were spending so much time during the task, rather than executing the task as well as they possibly could. What they would want to do instead is wait for their uh, their teammate to trip up so that then they had ammunition for when they go into the boardroom and that they could then throw them under the bus and go, you see, yeah, look, you did that terribly. And that's, that's honestly what it feels like. And this is why, maybe that's a better analogy than I initially thought, because it, that's why I say, like, particularly in Britain, I feel like, the Tories and Labour are the same. They are the same group of people. They went to school mm-hmm. together. They all know each other. These aren't different people. Like, as much as I hate her, the only one who really, or dislike, I should say, dis- dislike her, <laughs> one of the ones who legitimately sort of came up through the ranks from from just doing a normal working job is AOC. Like, we haven't yep. seen that in Britain yep. for ages. Someone get to the top of politics who actually on either side who actually had a a pretty ordinary amiable working life before they went into politics yeah you know it's interesting because the way it's set up here basically because it's it's kind of similar to what you're saying but you know i was talking to larry sharp and he put it very nicely Mm. the democrats are the party of bad ideas the Republicans are the party of no ideas. So <laughs> what happens? That's so that's why. Statement. 
It is a very damning statement, and it's a it's a hundred percent true if you think about it. Because what do Republicans spend this last year do this year doing for the midterm elections? Complaining about Democrats. Republicans mm. are great at pointing out where Democrats are wrong because Democrats have some shitty ideas. They, they want to to expand the size of government. Republicans pretend not to, but Democrats are honest about it. They they'll, they'll be there will be a problem. They will see a problem, and Democrats will say, "Here's our government solution to solve that problem, American people, and we'll alleviate mm. your burden." Republicans mm. will say, "That's a crappy solution. That's a crappy idea. Here's why it won't work," and then that's it. Guess what? The problem is still there. <laughs> the problem still remains. So what Republicans won't do is say that idea sucks. Here's why. Here's what here's it's going to do one. to you. And then yeah. here's what we're going to do to solve that problem. They they, they don't do that even, even in this past election. Um, it, you know they, and, you know Kevin McCarthy. You know, go on. Yes. Yeah. So Kevin McCarthy came out with that commitment to America because I think they mm. some of them kind of recognize that they had this issue. But it was kind of a half-assed plan. It was very ambiguous. And Mitch McConnell didn't want to do that in the first place. Mitch McConnell just wanted to bash Democrats because they don't care about winning. It works. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so he came up with this plan. Then they never talked about it again. And it's just par for the course. And it's not even that conservatives don't have ideas. They just don't really bother to problem solve. On, on Like on education, mm. they've got school choice. They just don't know how to sell it. On other stuff, you, yeah. uh, what I'm saying is more right. They have no ideas for how to fix the problem. So all the, so they yeah. think they can get by on complaining because sometimes they win when they do that. But again, they don't care whether they win or lose. So that's yeah. why we're stuck in this situation. That's why Democrats will end up getting what they want because the American people mm. will say, that might be a crappy solution, but it's probably going to be better than what I'm dealing with right now. So that's that, how it yeah, happens. That's, there's a point so and, because in go on go on Baz. i was just gonna say and, and larry sharp told you this larry sharp for you know just our listeners uh ran for the 2022 uh gubernatorial race and he's a well-known libertarian so that's a actually very interesting and very it's like very man uh all these people are smart and you always just forget because they get shrouded by the machine so that's really interesting go on sorry well no it's because i was i've i've been thinking about this when you meet uh politicians and and this is why i bring up somebody mm. like aoc is like there must have been a time where she wasn't just a, a jukebox for rhetoric there must have been a time where she could actually coin her own thoughts like if you went into the restaurant where she was working surely she must have been capable of small talk surely they must have been capable of of normal jovial conversation because I think about this, like I went to a talk where Stanley Johnson, Boris's dad, was giving a, a, a talk about his life. And he's lived quite an interesting life. Um, and then Grant Shapps, who is our Minister for Transport and was my local MP for a long time, um, was sort of hosting it. And But he was just, we thought that there was a sort of mood amongst the people going to this talk. There's probably less about a hundred people in there. We thought that it was going to be getting to see people with the mask off and that they were going to be talking like human beings. And they, they can't, they, they don't, they never drop the rhetoric that it's, it's always as if there were no cameras in that room, but they were speaking as if there were. 
And it's just, I can't help thinking like when, when Grant, you go home to your wife and children, are you in any way capable of just having a normal chat? How was your day, dear? Or is it all about like your your wife tries to ask you about how your day was and you respond with, so what we're trying to do in the Tory party, like do you have to start every fucking sentence like that? Or can you speak, is there any way that you can speak like a human being anymore? Because this goes back to, you know, sort of what I was saying earlier about like, it doesn't feel like, the, the thing about a potential land is like, yeah, so the, the Republicans, it's, it's it's far easier to go, oh, see, well, if we were in power, we, we would have done that differently. We would have done that very differently. But then they don't actually want the day of reckoning to come. It's like, you know, because I, I consume a lot of American conservative content, um, most of which from the the Daily Wire. And you hit, you heard them leading up to the midterms. Everything was about the red wave and how there's an oncoming red wave. And because the Democrats have just been so bad that now is the time. Now is the time where everyone's going to finally see the light. And you're absolutely right. It didn't come to fruition because they didn't do anything. They didn't. They didn't go like like because we, we get glimmers every so often. Like you see, it was Youngkin versus who's the other chap in Virginia? Um, Barry uh, McAuliffe. McAuliffe. That's it. So like mm-hmm. you have those two, and and then the Republicans get their way, but only at the eleventh hour when frankly something beyond the influence of the gubernatorial race happens like the whole school board thing and and the the child being moved around who was sexually assaulting girls at school mm-hmm. only then like that one event takes place and at the 11th hour the republican candidate goes i'm going to address that and everyone and then the electorate love it they go like oh great well we'll vote for you then you're going to fix the problem like, but had that incident not happened with the kid in school, because one of the things that I've heard a lot of the Daily Wire speakers talk about that I completely agree with is Democrats have made a, a fateful error in um, using children as a political tool. And yeah, yeah, right. And so, and now, and the the then you have Youngkin, and he goes like, right, we're gonna we're gonna address that. We're gonna put a stop to that in Virginia. But if that event hadn't made headlines, would he have come out and said that? Because this is something that it re- yeah, deeply frustrates me is like everything is a reaction from the right. Mm-hmm. They, they wait for the left to do something unpalatable and then go, right, we're going to do something about it. So why don't you just do something anyway? Why don't you just enact your policies anyway and, see, and then see what happens? Like it, it, surely, surely that must be an option because the the left sat there doing it. They're sitting there and they are at the drawing board and they are going right. What can we do next? Like what? Could, okay, we'll we'll mm-hmm. try and legalize paedophilia. That that was a joke to anyone in the fucking audience. <laughs> like, it's, it's, or was at it? Least, at least they're <laughs> at least they're throwing ideas around. You know, at least they're at least they're playing around with and they're they're they're, they're trying to move their agenda on. Like we. I say we, I'm not American. I don't even know if I'm right wing. I don't know what I'd fucking call myself. And this is where I feel so fucking homeless politically is because it's like, all I know is that I'm not woke left. That That's all I know for sure is that mm-hmm. I'm not that. And it's like, but you, that's not the basis. And this is where Baz and I feel it necessary to do 
raisin bread is because that's not a basis for building an identity. You cannot no, build an identity not. based off what I'm not. You have to build a, a, an identity based on what I am. And all the right-wing parties in Britain and America at the moment, they are basing it off what I'm not. Well, I'm not <clears> that. I'm not that crazy. So, okay, fine. But no one knows what you are. And that, that's what leads to people going, the Russell Brands of the world going, I don't vote and you shouldn't either. And then people like me, impressionable people like me going, uh, yeah, <clears throat> you, you've made perfectly logical sense. So why should I? Even when presented with an idea like, hey, maybe focus on local politics, which may be more salient and maybe, and, and, and I mean, has been statistically proven to be vastly more influential in your day-to-day life regardless, which is interesting. Right. You know, and so, I would think like- that, and you know, I would think that people would be more excited about that because that is where their voice will count. Now, now I'm not saying that local politics is perfect. You got some funny business there too. There's of a at the local level. Yeah. But it's easier to fix when you're close to it, right? But I can, I can, I can. I know where you live exactly, and I I can empathize with what you're saying, Ben, because nobody wants to be known for what they're against. They want to be known for what they're for, and and that's honestly where I've been. And I've been seeing this in the conservative movement, and I was like, "What the hell do you guys stand for?" I mean, and that's (laughs) the other tricky thing about populism, because if you're full on populist, you don't really stand for anything. You just stand for whatever people say they 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 want fixed. at least Donald Trump, you know, being a populist, he was still able to articulate some things that people wanted. But the Republican Party and even the America First movement, MAGA, I don't care if you're talking establishment, America First, MAGA, they have this issue. And and that's actually where I think that this whole status movement is going to be able to fill the void. Because mm. I guarantee when they come out, they're going to have some solutions. They're going to say, we're going to do this policy, that policy, that policy, that policy. And it's all going to grow the government. And you're going to love it because we're going to own the libs while we're doing it. That's what I'm afraid right. of. But, but we're still going to grow the government. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. Right? But we're still going to grow the government. Like, that when I was on that walk with that socialist lady, like, I was saying to her, like, and it, it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about just stripping away. When you strip away all the jargon, it's, it's actually incredible how you can get through to people. Because I, it was, it, I, it was a great conversation. It was very rare, like, really enjoyable conversation with her because we actually both just wanted to understand each other's point of view because I, I i was like for example one of the things that i was saying to her was like just i'm ple- i was pleased when quasi quarting the chancellor for all of eight minutes announced his plan to cut taxes in britain because i said like over the last two or three years we have seen just how the government can piss away all our money and that they don't Mm. care about us. So if they're getting less of my money, I'm delighted. I don't care who's in power. Give me my fucking money. And this lady who is a self-proclaimed lifelong socialist is sitting there going, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I actually really agree with that. Yeah. Cause you hate them too. (laughs) You don't like, because that was one of the things that was really weird, particularly throughout the pandemic in, in Britain and America, was at least in America, it lined up like politically. Like the people mm-hmm. who supported the lockdown restrictions also supported Biden by and large. And right. then, but then in Britain, you had people who voted for Boris, like me, who hated the lockdowns, but he was the one enforcing it. 
And then you had people who hated Boris Johnson viscerally, deeply, but loved his lockdown policies. And it and like nothing nothing added up, nothing made sense. Like in in the UK at that point where it was just like you you hang on a minute, you're so you hate the man, but you currently love you love what he's saying. So what and this is again, it brings it back to so what do you stand for? You you just want to sit there and wait to be told what to do. But provided you like the person telling you to do it, you'll comply. And it's like like I, I remembered saying this to my my significant other regarding or I oh know, sorry, no, it wasn't actually her. I can't remember. I think it was somebody at work or something. We we're talking about getting jabbed, right? Getting vaxxed. And um they were oh, I was an old housemate of mine. And he was like, Oh yeah, well I got, you know, I got I got vaxxed so that I can travel. Uh, so why don't you just do that and then you can travel? And I was like, oh, because I don't believe that's why you ever take a medical procedure. Um, mm-hmm. Undergoing medical procedure is to get just to travel. We've never done that. Um, and then it was the whole shit of, oh, well, you've always had to do it to go to places like Cambodia. So yeah, that's to get in. We're talking about getting it to get out, which is a very different <laughs> conversation. Um, but it was the, the point. The point there was I said, like, you and I actually agree. We both want to be left the fuck alone. Um, the the difference is you're saying, right, I'll get your little jab. Now leave me alone. And all I'm at, all I am is saying, leave me alone one step yeah. before you. Like yeah. we are we are actually the same. And this is what I mean when you strip it all away. And it's like um strip away the jargon, strip away the bullshit. And it's amazing how many people align on things. Like I've heard Candace Owen say it before, where she said that like she believes that most people are actually conservative. And like I, I think I get what she means by that, which is the idea that, you know, most people want to kind of keep things as they are because by and large, things are going all right. We're not starving. We're not living outside in the biting winter cold. Things are going quite well. We can still have holidays or vacations, Baz, for you. And uh, like you know, we could still we could still do those things. So most people just kind of want to keep that going. Like so, I I think that's what she means by it. I don't think she means most people are conservative insofar as like they're politically active and they want to get involved and you know, oh let's 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 take over and and conservatize everything. I think she just means that most people want to conserve the way things kind of currently are. I say that with a huge grain of salt because I don't like a lot of things as they currently are. But you know what I mean? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like generally, mm-hmm. like the way we get to live life, we get to eat the food we want, live in houses that are warm, and all that, all that, all that nice Western lifestyle. <coughs> real, real quick, um, just because since, you know, uh, and edit this out, Tyler, please. Uh, since we're, we're approaching, you know, closer to the end, I wanted I wanted to hear some things from Jeff. One, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, because this is something I kind of have been paying it very very close attention to, which is the draw the the and maybe this is a product of what we're talking about, but this interesting surge in the black vote for uh, Republican candidates that. People, especially amongst uh, African American males, that no one really wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, some people want to talk about, but uh, when they talk about it, they'd rather just dismiss it as uh, non-existent. 
And then the other uh, is, uh, you know, where do we go from here, man? And what are what are your th- you've give, you've given me a little bit on what what you think the future might hold, what you think is interesting and the interesting work you're doing in order to to, to move us in that direction. But uh, but but I still kind of want to get a sort of general sense of that. I still want to hear the spiel if that makes sense. Sure. Go on. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, the Democrats have lost a lot of black support, um, Latino too. Um, yeah. Uh, there were a lot, and the polling leading up to the midterm elections showed that this was going to happen. Uh, black people were more willing to give Republicans a chance. Now, this is more because of a growing disillusionment with the Democratic Party than it is with Republican efforts. Now, I have been critical of Republicans when it comes to their black outreach. But on the positive side of that, there are still people in the party who actually do want black people to come over. And a lot of them were doing good good work. Um, and I always said, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic about the Republican Party when it comes to changing this tendency. So a lot of what I complained about is still there. But there's all mm. but the, but it seems like some are starting to wake up, they may, they may not, hopefully they do. But, uh, but what's happening is that the Democrats are pushing people away, especially mm. black men. Uh, Stacey Abrams had a huge problem with black men in um, in Georgia. Um, she should have gotten like over ninety percent, and she didn't. She, I think, she barely cracked eighty percent. That's a huge drop. Well, did I, you see some of her talks? Did you see that? Did you see any of that? By the way, just curious. So, some of what? Some of her like the like her barber shop talks. I don't know if you had a chance to catch. Oh no, that. I didn't see those. Well, she would she would ask like she would basically basically the, the long and short of it was her being like. Don't worry, we have your best interests at heart. You don't actually know what you want. So let, I'm just going to take care. Yeah, yeah. There's I'll have to send you a clip later that you're you'll you'll enjoy. But go on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll check that out. But <laughs> but but that that kind of sums up the attitude that the Democrats have had towards the black community for right. years, but especially over the past 2 years once Democrats and Biden took office. If you if you go on black Twitter, if you were on there over the over the past couple of years, you saw black people saying this administration, these Democrats are doing for every other group, but they're putting us to the end, to the back of the bus. And they still haven't really done much for the black community. But, you know, Biden said he wanted to have a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants. That, uh, you know, they wanted to pass this Asian hate crime bill. They haven't done right. anything for the black community. They, they lied, basically. And, they, and the thing is, Democrats know that they don't have to do anything because Republicans won't compete. So they'll still get the black vote. Now, a lot of black people just sat out. They didn't vote for anybody. They said a pox on both mm. your houses. And that right. hurt Democrats as well. Um, it didn't hurt them enough for a red wave. But it is a signifier that things are starting to change. And honestly, the Republican Party would be stupid to not take advantage of it. They kind of are when it comes to Latino voters. And a lot of yes. people think that that happened overnight. No, they've been pouring resources into that for years, which they this should have been be a doing. 20 year process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what they should have been doing with black voters and what they may be starting to do. I don't know if I have reason for optimism there, but that that's what's happening. Um, but from a liberty perspective, because I mean, I'm not I, I'm not really invested in that anymore <laughs> in what yeah. the Republicans are yeah, doing. Yeah, sure. But. I am very excited about the focus on local politics. The Libertarian Party, uh, the Mises Caucus, issued that declaration last week, uh, kind of outlining the problems that the party has had. 
and the issues that they face. Very realistic summation of the situation that they are in. They recognize that they're not going to win anything at the federal level and maybe very little at the state level because the way our system is set up, the two parties have worked together to make sure that third parties can't compete. It's not just the libertarians, it's Green Party and, and what have you. So at the state level and federal level, they have ways of preventing libertarians from getting on the ballot because they know that if other voices get out there, especially Republicans, they'll lose votes. So what they're doing is they're going to focus on local races because this time around they did pretty well with the local level candidates that they ran. They got about 33% of them elected. Um, and they ran 673 total at all levels of government. And so their reasoning is basically, what if we had run 673 people just for local races and had a 33% success rate? That would have been over 200 libertarians, liberty-minded candidates mm. elected to office. So that's what they're going to be focusing on for the next elections. And that's where my attention is going to be. Um, and again, I don't care if the candidate is registered libertarian, independent, or Republican, or even Democrat, as long as they're liberty-minded. You're not really going to get that from Democrats anymore. But, <laughs> but just in case, you know, a unicorn comes along, I'll support it. So um, I'm looking forward to it because I think that after after these elections, when they do have these local seats, now they can start actually putting things into place at the local level to kind of curb a lot of what the federal government has been doing. And they can actually start governing so that the nation can see how a libertarian governs. See, one of the biggest problems that the liberty movement has is that most Americans don't really know what we believe. Not everybody is more of, um, of the anarchist stripe like I am. You've got minarchists, you've got you know more mainstream libertarians. All of them are want less government than what Republicans and Democrats want. And all of them have solutions that would get government out of the way. So as that happens, this is a long-term strategy then the, the, this movement can get more notoriety, get more seats at the, at the state level, and maybe eventually get to the federal level. But realistically, to make a difference in the culture, got to focus locally. So this coming year, I'm probably going to be traveling a lot. I'm going to be doing a lot with the party. Uh, nice. uh, Donnie is too. We're going to do, do a lot of stuff together. Um, Hell as yeah. Far as, yeah, as far as my platform goes, that's where, that's where the focus will be. I'll still focus on national politics and stuff like that because it's my job. But much of what I'm going to be doing is, is focusing on liberty as a concept and the liberty movement in general. I want to influence as many people, as many disaffected Republicans and Democrats as I possibly can, um, especially because right now we can strike while the iron's hot because nobody likes Republicans and nobody likes Democrats anymore. They're just voting for them because of the lesser of two evils. Well, maybe we can give them an alternative. And the good thing about this is that it'll start, if this works, it'll get people, even more people involved in the political process in a way that they can touch. Mm. You know, you can't touch the presidency. Yeah. You can't touch yeah. a member of Congress like that. You can't, yeah, your yeah. governor, you, you're, you're probably never going to see him in person. But your mayor, your city council, you can touch that. Like, so I, I, I think that this could even, I mean, if this works the way they want it to, this could bring about a real renaissance in American politics where we get back to focusing locally because that's the way it was always intended to be. We were yes. never supposed to be this obsessed with our president. Just like Ben, you were saying, like people were voting for their MPs, but their real, but their real sight is on who's going to be prime minister. Right. We've had that problem for ages. Now, we, this country was formed to get away from your king. 
but we now we've got our yeah. own. <laughs> but that's the thing. The presidency has become like a king. And, you know, looking yeah. at it from a spiritual perspective, we have put government in the place of God in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When you right. focus more locally, it's easier to pull back from that. So th- there's so many different benefits. I can go on and on about this and bore your audience to tears. You but, won't, you won't. Yeah. No, no, not this, not this audience. Trust me. Oh, good. So, you know, I, I can say right now, like Donnie and I were just talking about it. I, I don't think I've ever been more excited about a political year as I am right now. Even with all the bad stuff going on, even with all the complaints, I've never been more optimistic and more excited as I am right now. Yeah. And look, when you start up that UK wing. (laughs) I think there is a liberty movement in the UK. I'll I'll see if I can look it up. That is going to be my search history populated for the next week. (laughs) But yeah, there's because there's a few in the UK, but it's just like, again, like we, this is something that I kind of love I say kind of, this is something that I love about America is try as they might, they won't, you, you can't quell 350 million people. You just, mm. you, you, you can't do that. And you've got rednecks who are going to get on their high horse and they're going to, they're going to get out there and they're going to fucking protest. And it's like, and, it, and but I do love that because yeah, Britain, we are, we are remarkably pacified. I I do genuinely believe, honest to God, I think it it does correlate with the fact that we haven't been invaded for a thousand years. Like you tend to think everything will be all right and that you don't need to do it. And like, you know, everything like, for example, I I am uh, maligned in Britain because I like the Second Amendment like that. Wow. And now I think maybe that has something to do with the because because guns just aren't in our remit and i think maybe it's because our police aren't armed so they're like at least you can i think a lot of brits kind of rest on the fact rest comfortably on the fact that oh at least nobody's got guns Mm -hmm. no you're right damn near nobody has a gun but the only people who do are bad actors you're right if and if the government ever were to become a tyranny, if you don't think it already has, then who do you think are going to be able to get their hands on firearms quicker, you or the arms of government? Like, and this, this is this is what has led me to be like. Because bearing in mind the default setting of a Brit, like if you had a video game and you created a new Brit, his <laughs> bar for for Second Amendment support would be zero. Right or, or gun support, like and that, that was me. I I hated it. I absolutely, I just I hated them because I was just sitting there just going, like, "Why can't you just get rid of them? Why can't you just get rid of them?" And it was like because I didn't see the the necessity for them. Like, and then I'll be honest, for me, it was during the the pandemic where it was like, "Oh wow, yeah, genuinely, I think that's the number one thing protecting American citizens right now is is the government as as evil as they might try to be. They know that there's a line." And they know yeah. that at some point, if they cross that line, they really can fight back. Like I, I, well, that's why when you were talking, I was going to say, that's why when you were talking about that socialist lady at the beginning, talking about monopolies, and he said, well, no, the state is a monopoly too. The difference though is that that's a monopoly with guns. If Amazon becomes a monopoly, <laughs> they can't shoot me, but the government can. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, I just wanted yeah, to insert yeah. that real quick. No, no, you're right. Because then again, then the other thing with that is it's like, yeah, but then if that monopoly, the private one, if that fails, then it dies. And if they take their eye off the ball and they stop providing good products, then that will die. And then another one will come along where the competition starts again. But if your government monopoly, state owned, whatever, if that fails, there's usually quite a lot of bloodshed involved. And it, and that's that's the the sort of difference between the two in my estimation but yeah it's 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 a very like that jim jeffries bit in bear i think it was uh the special yeah. where he does a, and it's a great bit on gun control it's really funny but there's a bit in there where he talks about um oh well you know the, he talks about the real reason it was written was to form a militia in case the government became tyrannical and he goes and i really like that but the government has drones like you're bringing guns to a drones fight and it's like, yeah, that, and it's a really good line. Like it really, and it, and it's true, but it's like, yeah, but you know, so, so does every government in the developed world now. And America is the only one where by and large, the populace has at least some weapons mm-hmm. to counteract. Like, you know, in, in Britain, for example, our government has drones and we have nothing. Yeah, but 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 ask them how ask them how that worked out for us in Afghanistan. We had drones there, didn't we? And we tucked yeah. and ran. How that worked out for us in in Vietnam and right. other countries? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, our, our military is the most powerful, but it's not all powerful. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Um, it's super exciting uh, to to hear to hear you get excited uh, and makes me feel better. Uh, about sort of the future of, of certain things. And uh, you've definitely taught me something today, uh, which is not always true um, of not my conversations always. of people. So uh, it's greatly appreciated. I wanted to say real quick, what's uh, what's the best way that for people to find you if you want them to find you? Yeah, uh, Twitter is the best way. I'm, I'm, I have a little bit of a, an addiction to Twitter. I might have a problem, but you can get me. It's at Jeff on the right. Uh, on Twitter. You can read my stuff on redstate.com, libertynation.com. Check out my podcast, A Fresh Perspective with Jeff Charles. I'm going to be starting up again now that the holidays are passing. Uh, Check out our spaces, uh, Donnie and I on Twitter spaces. Uh, We do it. You're fantastic, by the way. Thank you. I just want to say people to know. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we don't do it every single day, but every day that we can, we usually go at eight o'clock Eastern time. Uh, different topics related to liberty and we're talking about turning that into more of a podcast too so stay tuned but yeah that, that's where you, you can should. see all my stuff jeff thanks so much for coming on it's been great meeting you i really hope we get the opportunity to do this again yeah uh, we have to i had a lot of fun yeah I'm it's glad. been a real learning experience for me personally like i i i i've loved it so thank you so much and then i learned a lot too especially about the uk <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad that it, uh, hopefully, God, I, I am. A, I have uh, suddenly it's just occurred to me that I have been the UK representative to someone <laughs> who knows what they're talking about. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, but thank you so much for coming on. And then to you who've been watching and listening, thank you for doing so. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. We really hope you got some value from it because we've d- damn sure that we did. Uh, if you did, then please share it with somebody who you also think would enjoy it then be sure to follow us on Twitter at Raisin Bread Talk. Subscribe to the channel, like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to check out some of our other videos which will appear around my head. My head. My head. My head.
my head. My head. Thank you to our producer, Tyler, there for that little joke in the edit at the end. As you can tell, this is the first time I've heard that whilst recording this voiceover. And thank you to you for listening to this podcast. This has been Raisin Bread Talk, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday.